keys here. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Go to www.audibletrial.com shark to get your 30-day free trial and audiobook download. With over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPod, Kindle, or MP3 player. Whatever the hell those things are. You got Audible for your record player or something? What are those things? Shark Dropper Studios presents to you Doppel Avenue Hurt Case 2 Case 2 The Red Letter Part 1 A Broken Heart Six years ago. What? I sat up. My face felt weird. I grabbed my chin and felt a huge bushy beard. Oh my god. This is going to be hard to hear, but it's the year 2039. The earth has been so polluted that no one can live on it anymore. Everyone you love is dead, and we are currently floating through space looking for a new habitable planet. No! 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 <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's been like two days. That's a fake beard. Ow. We always joke like that with the people who survive comas. No? Well, Terry Shy would thought it was funny. That's pretty messed up. You should hear the things we say to the ones who don't survive the comas. The truth of the matter is you were shot and we... Huge because, like, well, my nurse and I are awesome. You are welcome. Uh, thanks, I guess. Don't guess. No, your thank yous. Anyway, you need to take it easy. Here, lay back down. Don't want to move around too much. You're still healing. You're lucky to be alive. You were shot in the heart. <sighs> I rubbed my chest. We had to do a heart transplant. That's a new ticker you got in there. Really? Yeah, it's a baboon's heart. What? You gave me a monkey's heart? We were out of human hearts. You have had to go on a list and we didn't have time. We had to act fast. Don't worry, we asked your friends Paul, Edith, and Arthur. No, no, no. Arthur Phelps is not a friend. Oh, that's too bad. He was the one who suggested the monkey heart. The other two just went along with it. (sighs) Of course they did. I think your friend Paul was hoping you would do monkey-like things. Are you serious right now? Don't worry. Monkeys have the same basic structure as humans. The same anatomy. The heart is going to function the same way as a human heart. Except, well, probably won't be able to love the same way. Jesus 
Christ. Listen, just be happy you're still here. Seriously. And be happy you had such an awesome doctor. Ahem. Oh, yeah. And nurse. I said thanks. Yeah, but you guessed it, that shit. Oh, Christ. When can I get out of here? We're gonna hold you for another day. Possibly two. Fine. Now, aren't you curious to see your friends? Are they here? I believe they're in the cafeteria. My monkey heart started thumping. Not surprised they were here. When I moved to Brentwood Heights, I left a lot behind. I never really thought of myself as having friends here. But that's exactly what Paul and Edith were. Friends. Not Arthur, though. He's a douche. Yeah, okay, fine. Send him the clowns. Whatever. A few minutes passed when finally Paul, Edith, and Arthur came in. Mr. K! Holy shit, Jimmy Jones! Of course you come to the moment we get something to eat at the cafeteria. We've been waiting here for fucking ever. Hey, he makes it. I have to say I'm a little surprised. I don't really think you had the balls to wake up. I wasn't scared, I was in a coma. Yeah, if I had a nickel every time I heard that excuse. Christ, Arthur, you'd have one nickel. Hey, you gotta start somewhere. Lorraine wanted to be here too, but she had to take care of the kids. Apparently, they need care every day. That's okay. I understand. Hey, Jimmy John, if you're hungry, I brought you something from the cafeteria. Paul produced a banana from his coat pocket. Huh? You want a banana? Uh, why did you guys put a monkey heart in me? Sorry, Mr. K. They didn't have any human hearts on hand. And you were dying. There was no time. We had to make a decision like... Lickety split. I know this was your doing, Arthur. Oh, excuse me. I stepped up and made a tough decision. At least we didn't go a balls dumb fucking idea filling you with candy. What? Pinatas make people happy. It's okay, Mr. K. The docs said they do it all the fucking time. The only side effect is you may find heavy women more attractive. Great. So, Jimmy Jong. You want it? You want it? Just give me the goddamn banana. Ah, Jimmy Jong, don't you go flinging poo at me. What? Are you sure you're okay, Mr. K? Edith had walked me to my apartment. The place was dark, save for the dim outside light, seeping in through the cracks in the blinds of the living room window. I'm fine, Edith. Thank you. Okay. In actuality, I felt like hot garbage. Still sick from the hospital. But I didn't want Edith to worry about me. I'll see you tomorrow at the office. No, Mr. K. The doctor said you had to rest. I'll take it easy. But I'd like to head in the office just to get caught back up. Truthfully, I wanted to finish this O'Reilly case. 
All the loose ends may have been tied up, but Desmond Grant was still out there. I tried talking to Paul and Arthur about it at the hospital, but they refused to discuss the matter. The only bits of information I could extract was that Grant was still on the loose, and the BHPD had the best people looking for him. Okay, Mr. K, but I'm going to keep my eye on you. You better take it fucking easy. No need to go back into that goddamn hospital. Thank you, Edith. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day, Mr. K. Wait, Edith. Has Angela left any messages? Edith? She didn't leave no goddamn messages. But she did leave a letter. A letter? Your mail's on the counter, Mr. K. What's wrong, Edith? Nothing. Did you read it? Did you read the letter? Maybe. Edith, I'm not mad, did you? It wasn't even in a fucking envelope, Mr. K. It just fell open. Did you read it? Yes. And... And you should read it for yourself. Bye, Mr. K. Edith instantly started acting weird when I mentioned Angela's name. Not the normal, I hate that woman kind of weird. The way she acted made me hesitate looking at the letter. After a few moments, I slowly walked to the kitchen counter. I saw a stack of mail and unfolded the piece of paper on the top. I grabbed it and started reading. <clears throat> Dear Jim, I'm not sure what happened to you last night. I tried calling several times. I'm sure you were busy. Yeah, I know that I should have been reading the letter in Angela's voice, but I decided to go with a proper British guy. Make it easier to take in. I know I told you about my birthday dinner late, so don't blame yourself. I really wish you could have made it. I wanted to see you. Just one more time. One more time? I'm sorry if I led you on. I never meant for that. I know we had that one crazy night, and I wouldn't change it. But I think our feelings should be kept in the past. You know what they say. If it didn't work out once, it wasn't meant to be. Thank you for everything. Finding out my husband was gay was hard to handle. Because I like you. But I loved him. It's time for me to move on now. I think moving out of Brentwood Heights is the best option. Don't worry. I'll keep in touch. Thank you again everything. Love you, Angie. Why did this letter hurt? More so than a bullet to the heart. I had not only let Desmond Grant escape, but Angel was also gone from my life. I dropped the letter and headed to the liquor cabinet. Dames. I needed a drink. The doctor said to lay up the alcohol for a while, but... He also gave me a monkey heart, so screw that guy. Scotch. Straight. In a large glass. I made my way to the couch and eased myself down. Any sudden movements might hurt my chest. I laid back and thought long and hard about the O'Reilly case. The man I was trying to free was the man behind it all. 
I killed old man Jeffrey because I had to. Of course, Peter O'Reilly was there to help. Bravo, Mr. She's... That drunk bastard. The BHPD would handle everything from here on out. Hell, Terrence was dead, so there was no need to talk to the family again. Except Natalie. I'm gonna put it in your butt. I decided to leave that alone for a while. She needed to mourn, and I needed time to get over Angela. I arrived at the office around 8. Edith was already in and typing away. Good morning, Mr. K. How the hell are you? I'm good, Edith. Really? Yeah, I am. That's good. Forget about that bitch. Edith. What? Never mind. I just think you could do better than that hoe. She seems like a horrible person anyway. She really wasn't. Well, it's like my mom used to say. Fuck that bitch. (sighs) Thanks, Edith. All your messages are on the desk. Also, your chubby fat friend is coming over. Paul. Yeah, the tubby shit. Okay. I looked through the messages. More missing children. More cheating husbands. My chest throbbed. I reached into my pocket and pulled out a pillbox. I popped the volume and leaned back. I continued flipping through the messages. I thought the O'Reilly case would change things. Yet here I was. Flipping through the same messages. Then I reached the bottom of the pile. The paper read Julian Good. Letter from a dead fiance. What did that mean? Edith, this message. Julian Good. Better from a dead fiance. What does it mean? I don't think it could be any clearer. Julian Good and her boyfriend Brennan Camp got engaged in 2012. They were to be married in 2014, but Brennan Camp ended up getting in a car accident and died. But then last week, this woman Julianne Good gets a letter from her fiance in the mail. At first, she thinks it's a hoax, but the writing looks like his. She takes it to the police, but they can't help her. So she decides to ask you to investigate. Simple. And I was supposed to know all that how? I wrote in cursive. Right. Never mind. I should have deciphered the message better. I know. I couldn't get mad at Edith. Not anymore. 
She saved my life more than once. She knew I couldn't get mad at her. That's why her axe was now in plain sight on the mantle next to her desk. I owed her a lot. I decided to call this Julianne. I was intrigued by her story. And this would be something new. Like a new season of a popular 40s film noir series. I sat down and made the call. Is this Julianne Good? This is... This is James Keyes, private investigator. Oh, wow, you got my message. Your secretary told me you were in the hospital. I... I was, and I'm out now. She told me your story, and I have to say, I haven't heard anything like it. It's... it's interesting. Can you help? I'd like to. First things first, I need to... I know, money, money, money. I have money. Right. I actually meant I'd like to talk to you in person, get more details on this case. Then we can talk money. Of course. When? Julianne wasn't able to meet up until tomorrow. Which was fine. I ended up laying on my couch and resting. The volume was kicking in. I closed my eyes. I didn't sleep, but I thought about the night I was shot. The yacht party. The speedboat chase. The fight with Grant. So much happened that night. I couldn't believe Grant got away. There he is, back to work. I opened my eyes and craned my head like a bird. Arthur and Paul stood in the doorway. Oh God, why is Arthur here? Just a couple of friends checking to make sure you're okay. He's not my friend. Well, fuck you, Jimbo. I'm your fucking friend now. No, you're not. I don't like you, and you don't like me. <laughs> friends teasing friends. More memories began to pop up in my mind including one huge reveal that made this whole interaction somewhat awkward. Arthur and Paul's wife Lorraine were sleeping together. Paul had his suspicions that Lorraine was cheating on him, and for some reason he always thought I was the culprit. Nope, it was Arthur. I saw it with my own two eyes. He rose from the couch. What brings you two here? We forgot to grab the last box of O'Reilly files. Mm, there they are. Also... We're here to inform you that the captain wants to talk to you. Hiltz? <laughs> no, Captain fucking Crunch. Of course it's Hiltz. Who the fuck do you think I'm talking about? That's funny, Arthur. Good tease. Now you go, Jimmy Joan. Tease him back like, like guy friends do. Paul, we're not friends. Ah, yeah, we are. Eh, friends tease each other. Go on, Jibble. Say some shit to me. I hate you. Ah, that's a fucking good one, Jimbo. Come here and give me a high five. No, go away. Just give me a high five. I'm gonna stay forever. Jesus Christ, here! 
love these times. Let me go throw this box in the car and we'll catch up a bit more. BRB. Wait, no, don't leave it. Oh, God. Oh, Christ. So what does Captain Hiltz want with me? It's about the O'Reilly case. Yeah, I figured as much. That's all I know. We stood in awkward silence. Should I bring up the Lorraine thing now? No. Not here. Not now. So, um... Hmm. Uh, oh, hey, hey, how's the monkey hot? You have, like, a lot of upper body strength now? Ah, screw it. I saw you, Arthur. When did you see me? You mean, like, you're seeing me right now? You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? Wait a minute. You were the one spying on me when I was checking off, Elia. Yeah, I saw you too. You're the one sleeping with the rain. Whoa! I would never cheat on Daphne. Cut the crap. Um, okay. Well, I guess give me a knife and some prune juice and maybe... That literally, you idiot! Hey, watch yourself, Big Jimbo. Paul kept blaming me, but it was you the whole time. I can't believe it. Okay, fine. But you can't tell Paul. Why not? Because friends don't tattle on friends. You know, I learned that shit in kindergarten. So that's why you want to be friends with me. God, you're such an asshole. I can't believe this. You're, you're already ruining our newfound friendship because you want to betray me. Betray you? Ruin our friendship? Just stop stressing certain words. Just keep your goddamn voice level. You're sleeping with your friend's wife. That's different. How's it different? How, Arthur? God, you give me the fourth degree over here. Just would you lay off? I'm giving you one week. You have one week to tell Paul. Or what? You'll kill me, won't you? You're gonna fucking kill me. I'll tell him. Oh, thank God in heaven. All right, high five. I'll stay forever, damn it. Jesus Christ, here. Now that's what I like to see. Force time fives. Oh, we are such friends. Listen, Jimmy Jong, I wanted to shoot the shit with you. Well, I brought a gun and some prune juice. But sadly, there's no time now. We just got a call. Triple homicide. The captain wants us to take it, so uh, we, we gotta go. We'll get together later this week. Good. I have some questions about the O'Reilly case. Maybe you should save that for the captain. The captain. When I worked for the BHPD, Captain Hiltz was the hardest, gruffest, meanest person I ever knew. He didn't want to get on his bad side. When I was let go, I was upset. I missed the people and the cases. But I didn't miss Captain Hiltz. I decided to head over to the precinct. Better now than never. I grabbed my jacket and headed out. I headed inside. I waved to the front desk. Tina Hughes was still working here. She waved me past. I maneuvered past the desks and people until I reached the captain's office. Most of the faces I still recognized. Everybody was busy, on the phones, sorting papers, 
looking through documents, running down important information. Being a PI was great, but time to time, I miss his life. I knocked on the door and the door glided open. And there he sat. Biggest, meanest person ever. He was on the phone, but when he saw me, he smiled and dropped the phone into the receiver. He stood up. Captain Hiltz was a muscular dude. He stood six feet tall and there wasn't an ounce of fat on him. He took the cigar from his mouth. This guy was bad news. I didn't work for him anymore, but he still made me uneasy. Well, well, well. Look what the little kitty cat dragged in. Hilts. Keys. I was told you wanted to talk to me. I'm assuming it's about the O'Reilly case. Well, you know what they say about assuming. Well, it is, isn't it? Are you calling me an ass? What? No. Good. Now have a seat. I sat in one of his plush chairs. This is about the O'Reilly case. And this is about your involvement in it. See, I was going to have Went and Phelps bring you in, but I decided to let you come in all on your lonesome. See what a nice guy I am? Bring me in. <laughs> That's right. Because Mr. James Key's P.I., you're under arrest. I've been there a time or two. One minute you stroll to the cemetery minding your own business, and the next you're in the slammer on some trumped up necrophilia charges. Heck, I just wanted my jewelry back. They're priceless family heirlooms. But I guess if you screw one stiff, you're labeled for life. Find out how screwed James Keyes is on the next episode of Doppel Avenue Hurt. Doppel Avenue Hurt. Written by Robert M. Lamb. Edited by Jonathan Moss. Starring voices by Kyle Appleyard as James Keyes. Amy Luray as Edith Dietrich. Jose Caraballo as Paul Wendt. Jonathan Moss as Arthur Phelps. And Julia W.D. Harrison as Julianne Good. Additional voices by John Lazavith, Brian Messick. Hope Enos, Chris Gore, Nicholas Engelhart, Shannon McCarthy, Ricky Laner, Shannon Lee, and Amber Simpson. If you enjoyed this show, please take 90 seconds and rate us on iTunes. Also, go to www.sharkdropper.com for additional fictional podcasts such as this one. Five seconds till shark drop. Five, four, three, two, one. Drop the shark. Go, go, go. This podcast is a Shark Dropper Studios production. 